This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Normally we do this on the Wednesday, but Wednesday there was no show because of soccer. Great job, Team Canada against Belgium. Alas. Alas. Um, and so we bumped MVSW to Friday. So that means I'm talking to Greg Wyshynski. Hello, Greg. I'm already drunk. Uh, I'm already drunk. The uh, <laughs> Americans play the the English in a couple of hours. Uh, one hour. In oh, fact. that's right. Yes. I am currently wearing you have, you, the only um, mm-hmm. uh, Team USA jersey that I have, which is a uh, medium sized Team USA jersey from the uh, World Cup of Hockey, which wasn't even my favorite look for them. No. It's actually a pretty bad jersey. And frankly, uh, now that I think about it, I probably shouldn't wear it because they were so mediocre in that tournament. Um, but it's the only thing I can wear where, um, you know, as I'm, as I'm walking my dog around the neighborhood, uh, people will, will stop and say, oh, the soccer games today. I'll be like, yes, and I'm supporting the boys. <laughs> the um, My favorite, I'm trying to think of my favorite U.S. Hockey jerseys. I loved 1960. I thought that Mm -hmm. uh, the Squaw Valley looked fantastic. And 76 Canada Cup. As a matter of fact, I'm just looking this up here right now. And that was a good like that was a good team. I I went back and I I I rewatched that tournament a few years ago. And I'd forgotten how actually really how how I know, right? Welcome to my life. How good USA was. Like I think I think they 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 almost beat Canada in the round robin. I think it was only like a one goal game. But do a quick the, search. The Let me know what you jer- think of the nineteen nineteen seventy nineteen seventy six. Yeah, those Look are at nineteen seventy six. I love the nineteen seventy six ones. Oh, yeah, those, so those good. are good. Sochi's were terrible. Um, yeah. Then uh, t- I mean, obviously twenty eighteen they weren't there. The ones that they used to wear in like the nineteen nineties, where it was like USA, but the flag was coming off of the S. I always think of that as like, you know, mm-hmm. who was the goalie then? Mark LaForest or uh, Ray LeBlanc? Like, who was the guy there? Um, those jerseys were good too. Point being is that I, I, I don't just love have the one a, a that... U.S. soccer jersey yet. Okay, is that going to be like? Are are you are you fully caught up and and uh, caught up in soccer now? Is this going to become your second favorite sport right after uh, complaining about <laughs> the New York Jets? <laughs> uh no i'm just i'm you know what i am merrick i'm an international competition guy yeah. you know i i'm not somebody who's waking up early to watch premier league i enjoy soccer i think it's a great sport but i'm not i don't have enough time in my life to mm-hmm. really like join the the millions of americans who have adopted the sport as a as a weekend ritual um but whenever the u.s is and i think canadians are the same way uh, whenever the U.S. is involved oh, yeah. in anything international, and we have a chance to succeed or or make waves, uh, I get I get very excited about it. Especially when it's you know a storied rivalry against our oppressors, um, as is today's game. <laughs> but you've already had that battle with your with your historical oppressors, though. I I saw a T-shirt today on Twitter that I thought was hilarious, where it said, "Oh uh, no, England had a thirteen colony lead and blew it." <laughs> which is just <laughs> great <laughs> it is one of the things i really do appreciate about international competition is the amount of historical burns and hot takes that but, uh that but isn't it funny dude like to social media it's great isn't it funny how like they these international tournaments are always just like this is the time 
when we put all politics aside and wars should should be on hold during our international competitions and we should remember it's about sports not about these nationalities and yet at the first moment you get it gets ugly (laughs) yeah the first moment you get like you know it's like don't think about the past and the first moment you get some americans like boston team party I know, right away, like, yeah, Germany plays Belgium, and here we go, it's 1914 all over again, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. chocolate oh, soldiers. And, 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 and by the yeah, way, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a stats guy, as a stats guy, is there anything funnier than when you're watching something like the World Cup, and, and you're watching the game, and, like, somebody scores a goal, and then they'll flash a stat that's like, you know, you know, They'll be like, Belgium hasn't come back from a 1-0 deficit since 1942. And you're just like, what does that have to do with anything that's happening in this game? I understand it's trivia. I understand it's like a point of interest and and it makes it seem like a real big deal. But none of these people's parents were even born when that occurred. It's just a neat thing that you throw up there. Because listen, I'm as I've, I've based my career on this. Like throwing like goofy, empty, empty calories. Like first of all, okay. So here's the conversation. Let me know if you've if you've heard this before, because I'm I'm still stunned that no one's referred to this before. Um, okay. Have you ever? Uh, first of all, you've used the term delay of game. We all have. It's a call. It's Many in the times. books. You know the yeah. the the um yeah, the referees in that New Jersey Toronto game could have called the delay game penalty against the Devils when the fans were pelting the ice with beer and soda and mm. Twinkies and whatever else they were throwing at the rink. <laughs> but have you have you never called it a dog? Like the refs throwing the dog at the at the Devils delay of game. Never have you never ref- have you I've ever heard? You've never, never called it the a dog. Single time, no. Have you heard it called the dog? <laughs> I have not. I'm just, I'm waiting for you to tell me where, where this term comes from. No, I have no idea. I've just had it in my head, like, my entire life. I don't know where I heard it. It's been rattling around my brain. I've called Delay a Game Dog a, a number of times in the history of my goofy hockey life. I'm just still stunned that nobody else has. Wow. I, I, I mean, like, as in they're <laughs> dogging the time... That's a very no, odd just thing. dog I've delay of game D O G, delay. Oh, you're del- talking the most about obvious thing. This is the, the second call time in the history of the, the show belly, that I'm, you've, I'm, you've... I'm 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 stunned by the revelation of a dog. Look, the point is that <laughs> I never thought delay of game was dog. That's that's kind of ingenious. That makes sense. You've never okay. Well, then you know what? I'm starting. I'm I'm starting the. I'm I'm starting it then. That's it's it. This is going to be. This is how petty and 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 boring my life has become. No. I'm now trying to Dude, get people to refer to the delay of game as dog. But what you don't understand about yourself is that this is this is actually very on brand for you, because pucks and deep pids wasn't a thing until you made that it. That was an Ken acronym. Reed. Ken Reed. Right. Ken, but Ken you, Reed. You propagated Ken, it. Ken, you propagated Ken, it. Ken, I I help amplify it. It's like right. rappers when they say, "I'm not stealing, I'm sampling." Hmm, okay, uh, I just amplified it. That was always Ken. That was always Ken's. Let, that was. Let me uh, ask you Ken-alytics. about the dog. Read, read let me ask you about the dog. dog let me ask yeah. you about the dog penalty for the, the Devils fans. Isn't it? Somebody <laughs> asked me about this, and I really thought I had it right. Maybe I don't. Isn't it pr- the usual thing where they'll warn the fans not to do it, and then if they do it again, then it'll be a delay of game penalty? I feel like they've not given out like a delay of the game penalty 
on the first instance of the fans littering the ice. Yes. Or maybe if they continue the to have a warning. I always feel like there's a warning involved. After, there was, and there, and there was that night at The Rock, wasn't there? Like, didn't, wasn't there over the loudspeakers an announcement about, please refrain from throwing things on the, on the, on the, mm-hmm. on the, uh, uh, on the ice, it's dangerous to the players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they did that. But I, what I was one, what I always wonder about is if you want to really dissuade fans, because to me, like I was saying this to, to Fridge last night on the podcast, um, I hate glass bangers. I think you hate glass bangers. I think all right thinking yeah. people hate glass bangers. But there's one person in the rink who's worse than the glass banger, and that's the person that throws things on the ice. That isn't either a hat for a hat trick or a teddy bear for the teddy bear toss game. Anything else? Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 throw stuff on the ice. It's stupid. It's a waste of time. It's petty. It's immature. It's dumb. I understand that Devils fans were hot. I get it three disallowed goals in a row where the last one was probably the easiest one to call. Uh, I get it, but still, like, don't throw crap on the ice. And if I'm the NHL and I want to dissuade this from happening before, if you throw a dog at the Devils at that moment, that becomes a story. And all of a sudden, and there we go, now we've used dog. Uh, And then all of a sudden, that is the warning to all of their fan bases don't throw anything or you get the dog. Oh, so it becomes like the Kovalchuk contract of, of penalties. Uh, we just make the devil serves as a warning to others. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the basis for my life. Like the meaning of my life, is to serve as a warning to others. This is the I, serve as a warning to others. Can I ask you something though? If you had a zero tolerance policy yeah. for delay of game, and you had a game. I know. I know. Where, say, I know but, where you're going. Yeah, you know, but that's that's the a legit. I know like where a double ranger game is a 50-50 building. A, a Capitals Penguins game is a 60-40 building. Like you're gonna have situations that's where, uh, with a little bit of organization, a little bit of moxie, and some arm strength, you're gonna have visiting mm-hmm. fans being able to uh, perpetrate crimes against the home team. Now, I, I appreciate you talking. I have about a hard. I, I have. I have. I, I have, hang on, I have a really hard time believing that a Rangers fan would embed him or herself amongst the Devils fans to try to draw a delay of game penalty. Oh, no, 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 that's just it. it that's a joke, by the way. That's a joke, They're by the way. They're there anyway. They're there anyway. Um, oh, it won't. It won't be like. Uh, you weren't know, you? Weren't you at a? Weren't you? Weren't you at a game where the, someone brought in like a, and and blew up an inflatable Stanley Cup? Or was that no, Islanders, no, no. So, Islanders Rangers? So the two things that happen a Devil game. Uh, for me, one was uh, in nine, in '95, and this is after the Rangers won in you know '94 and beat the Devils on the way to winning the Cup. Uh, somebody bought in one of the uh, commemorative banners that they gave out at the Rangers opening night at their banner raising at the first Devil Ranger game of the next season. Somebody bought in one of those banners and somehow smuggled in oh, a no. helium balloon in their jacket. Oh no! And then dur- they were oh, sitting in the upper deck awesome. during the game attached the banner to the balloon and sent the balloon to the rafters <gasps> of the Meadowlands, the rafters oh, of the Devil's Home Arena. No, that's uh, awesome. was a Ranger Stanley Cup banner. That's One of the most brilliant things awesome. I've ever seen. The other thing that happened to me was that um, there was a, 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 Ranger, a Devil Ranger game. There was a, a Ranger fan sitting in the back of me and my, my dad and my sister. My sister was wearing a Bordura jersey. Uh, this Ranger fan was giving her all this grief about Marty. She spun around yeah. and, and got into a profane shouting match with this person. This person threw a beer at her, hit the guy in front of my sister who, who ended up being an off-duty detective. 
which is not the person you want to hit with a beer. <laughs> Ranger <laughs> fan got kicked out of the arena for that. That was another. That was my two 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 of my favorite Devil Ranger uh, in the stands memories. Obviously, a lot more have happened on the ice. Awesome. Okay, well, you were going to say something about the Devils fans or that Devils mm. game. No, I appreciate the fact that you you at least gave the. I think a lot of people saw what happened on on in that game against the Leafs, and obviously the Toronto media is very engaged in that moment, so they're all watching the game. And I think a lot of people obviously got on their high horse and was you know poo pooing and bemoaning the behavior of Devil fans in, in that instance, especially with the team having to leave the ice. But I put myself in that situation. I am a Devils fan. I grew up rooting for the team. I'm very. It was very passionate about the team before I became a uh, impartial journalist, and. Um, I put myself in their shoes that night, and I said to myself, if I was at that game, and my team was on a 13-game heater, and the team where the situation room is located is on the ice getting the benefit of three waved-off goals, I would have I would have chucked my beer like I was throwing a shot put <laughs> if I was at that game, just, just to be honest. Uh Many, many would look at that and say, you just got 13 wins in a row. Like, talk about first world hockey problems here. You're complaining about a couple of disallowed goals. You just ripped off 13 in a row, and you just got yourself into the playoffs in November. I mean, in theory. The, oh, look, no, the, devil, the Devils are still they tapped dancing on can, a landmine, they, they, man. They can't, they they, can't they, collapse. They, they, they can't are collapse, one goalie yeah. injury away from calamity. They are one injury to the Triple H. Uh, Hughes, Heischer, and Hamilton away from being in the same pickle they were in last year. I agree. I, I listen. I would be surprised if they missed the playoffs based on how they played. Uh, but uh, there yeah. are certain factors that have gone right for them this season that could easily change in an instance. And then it's just a matter of whether they can weather that storm. But you believe they've banked enough points now to be okay? I do. Like, I mean, they almost ran the table in November. Like, you run the table in a month, you're in the playoffs. No. Like the, what? What? What was the stat? Teams that are, that are that have ripped off what is it? Ten in a row. I think it's happened. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. What's that? I was gonna say. Though, I thought you were doing that, the American yeah, Thanksgiving stat. No, 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 no. Teams that have won ten games in a row. I believe it's happened sixty-one or sixty or sixty-one times in the history of the NHL, and only two teams that have ripped off ten in a row did not make the playoffs. Mm. That's it. And a jersey that's ripped off 13. And I don't think they're going to become either the Buffalo Sabres or the Philadelphia Flyers, who are the two teams that had 10-game win streaks and did not see the postseason. I just can't see that happening with this team. Because, like, you look at how they played. Like, dude, the Devils were clinical. Like, that game against Ottawa, like, that was precision. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. The Edmonton game. The, like it, it was and it was just wave after wave after wave and they just looked like the most elite team in the NHL like it was completely clinical the way they went through teams the, the, the best I saw them play uh was first period against the Islanders during the streak um where they absolutely did not allow them to have the puck and and you're right like when you have teams that are able to do that for a 20 minute stretch they should be okay uh, but here's the question, though. The, like the 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 seventy seven percent stat obviously is like the teams that make the playoffs when they're in playoff position on American Thanksgiving. But I was just talking to somebody earlier today about the Devils and I think it was the Hurricanes both being in playoff positions, and he made the point of well, 
is this the season that becomes anomalous for that stat? Because you think of the Penguins being out of the playoffs, and now they're on a bit of a heater. You think about um, Edmonton being out of the playoffs, and it'd be a surprise if they didn't make it. I mean, they're going to be there are certain teams that are on the outside looking in that, frankly, I'd be surprised if they if they missed. But maybe they're mm-hmm. maybe the numbers are the numbers, and they're going to miss. I wonder about the Florida Panthers that way. Yep. Right. And I still, even though they just ripped off seven in a row uh, and then lost when they, they, when when they went for eight, I still wonder about the St. Louis blues that way. Like I I still think at the end of it, there's enough nuclear missiles on that Edmonton roster that they're going to, they're going to be fine. Like, like watch Edmonton will rip off their own 10 game win streak. Like you can see it, right? Like Connor and Leon will say like, okay, enough of this. And they're just going to go on like this, this, this 10 game, you know, 10 you know uh, 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 10 game winning streak um you know i i do wonder about a team like nashville i wonder mm-hmm. about minnesota i still mm-hmm. don't think that calgary even though they're in a wild card spot are are out of the weeds i i think this one and pleasantly so like this is this is more jump ball here now and especially happy for the east where i mean that whole i mean the east was wrapped up in late like at this time last year we we're saying okay the east is done right and it was was finished mm-hmm. like it was it mm-hmm. was over it was just a matter of, of slotting after that but this is good like seattle is in a spot that we didn't expect in a positive right. way winnipeg is in a spot that we didn't expect in a positive way detroit's like to mention this off the top of the show like i've really been negligent in not talking about the red wings and not talking yeah. about how really good Vili huso has been this season and what dylan larkin and thomas kobalik and 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 uh and and everybody else here on the red wings have been they're third in the atlantic and in a really really good spot here right now and we just mentioned the devils they are as far as i'm concerned the story with all due respect vegas like the story in the nhl so far a quarter of the way in has been the new jersey devils and what we just saw. And the thing is, I think we can all look at this and say, okay, yeah, they lost the Leafs on Wednesday. I can still see them ripping off another 13-game win streak. And I'll tell you why. I haven't felt this way about a pair of players since I think it was either 2011 or 2012 that whenever Bergeron and Chara were on the ice at the same time, like the possession numbers were ridiculous. Like nobody else touched the puck. And whenever Heischer and Hamilton are on the ice at the same time, I kind of get that Bergeron Chara feeling. Don't you? Wow. Wow. With these two? And I haven't, honestly, I, I haven't felt that way since Bergeron Chara. Do you not get that same yeah, feeling? But I, I mean, they're not, they're, they're not identical players, but still. If, if the, there's a sense of calm that happens when they're on the ice together, a sense of, of things are in control. It's what makes it exciting about the Devils is that you do have Heischer and Hamilton as sort of like the controlled, you know, pair, like group on the ice that they're going to possess the puck. They're going to do smart things. And then, and then you introduce a little chaos into it when Jack's on the ice, right? Like, like, like Hughes is the guy that's, that's water, water bugging <laughs> around the offensive zone and, and, and trying to make plays and trying to make yeah. stuff happen. But to Jack's credit, I was talking to a scout uh, recently at, at, at the, um, the Devils Edmonton game last week about Hughes in particular. Yeah. And the idea that Jack has now done what all these really, really great young players have to do pretty quickly in their careers, which is figure out the defensive end and have faith that if you do the things you need to do defensively, 
that it'll in, even make your offense that much better. And Jack's figured that out year over year. And, and you can see the change. You can see those moments. There's no longer that moment of panic in his game where he's doing Jack Hughes things in the offensive zone and then, you know, giving up a chance the other way. And, and and sometimes they happen, and the Devils have obviously gotten better at handling those. But Jack in particular has also been smarter with his, his decision-making. When he first came up, like every good young player, he just tried to do everything and thought he could do everything and had the hubris that he could do everything and then found out, oh, my God, it's the NHL. I can't. <laughs> They're really mm-hmm. good defensively. <laughs> They're smart. They're bigger than I am. You know, and so he's sort of figured it out in this last couple of years. Um, and it's been a, a joy to watch. But I bring up Hughes, and I bring up the Devils. The, the, hang on. One, the, one, one, yeah, go ahead. One, 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 thing, one, one thing I do want to throw in here as we're going like sort of historical on the New Jersey Devils and who they kind of remind us of, one of the other reasons I like New Jersey, and you mentioned Hughes, and I'll throw Heesher into the mix as well, these aren't giant centers, right? No. These are not like six foot three or six foot four centers. And whenever I see small centers and success, you can't help but think of that um, that Scotty Bowman Montreal Canadiens team where down the middle, like they were small, like Jacques Lemaire, Doug Jarvis, Pierre Mondou, like these, no one's tickling six feet here, like right down the middle. That was, that was those were small, skilled centers. Mm-hmm. You know, Lemaire always had the big, heavy shot. Doug Jarvis, two-way guy. Like, I, I look at this and I say, you know, what was the knock when they, when they, when they, they took Heischer? Ah, too small to be a center. Jack Hughes, yeah, right. he's dynamic, but too small to be a center in the NHL. They're excelling. They're excelling. They've been fantastic. Yeah. And just for historical often, framework, you know. I often tell people that uh, Nico Heischer is a modern-day Pierre Mondu. But here's the thing. <laughs> um, the Devils, the, de- the Devils have been one of the best stories in hockey because of their offense. And you mentioned what is the biggest story in the NHL. You know, and and obviously the, the success that the Devils are having is is one of those things. The success that Detroit's it having is. is one of those things. Um, I think the biggest story in the NHL remains what has been the biggest story in the NHL for the past few seasons, maybe the last five or six years, which is the offensive surge that we're seeing. It affects everything. It affects how teams are built. It affects which which teams excel. It it it, it affects how teams are coached. Um, it affects how teams draft. And you take it away from the rink, it affects the popularity of the game. There is a a giant, diverse audience coming to watch hockey, in particular in in this new rights deal, um, that is watching a much more entertaining product than they probably saw the last time they checked in with hockey. It affects the gambling market. It it affects everything. And uh, right now, we are ahead of pace offensively from a goals per team per game average than what we had last season, which we all assumed was a giant anomaly because of all the COVID absences, absences and everything like that. There's a little bit of an anomaly mm-hmm. right now in that we are getting m- more power play opportunities per game uh, on a per-game basis, I think, than we've had since maybe 2010, 2011. So we're, we're a little bit ahead of pace there, and that'll come back down to earth, and that'll probably affect the average goals per game. But right now, goal scoring right. is up uh, and continues to be up. And There's... I think that is the story of the league right now. The league is in a completely different place than it was even seven years ago. And it has impacted literally mm-hmm. every corner of the National Hockey League. 
one thing that that has led to, and we got to get out, we got a hard break here. We got to uh, cut away for our listeners on 590 that are going to be going to the uh, the pregame of the Minnesota Wild and the Toronto Maple Leafs game. You know what this has led to, Greg? And we can pick this one up after the after the break here. What it's led to is comebacks. See, when I see mm-hmm. goals are up, okay, yep. that's great. Offense is up, that's fine. But the 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 real like the real the real spice in the chili here is what that's led to is multi goal comebacks. Like there is a reason now where you know don't check out don't check out on the third period, folks. Like oh yeah, your team's down two pucks, don't check out. You, but your team's down three still, don't check out. There, this is a league. This is a league now, and this is great. Where Greg, to your point, the goal scoring is up and comebacks are up too. If you want to yep. hook people and keep them for the full three periods. Like, neutral zone trap wasn't doing it, but this <laughs> is. I've always maintained that it's, and as much as goal scoring is fun, and that's all cool, as long as there's scoring chances and as long as there's lead changes, man, I've seen some pretty good two-to-one games here. Like, it's great that goals are up because that's fun, and that's what people come for. But as long as there's scoring chances and uh, comebacks and lead changes, I'm good with it, Wish. You know, it's funny. I think I think we used to talk a lot about the because we were doing the show during a pretty dire time for offense. I mean, it was just the the nascent beginnings of the offensive explosion. <laughs> and we used to talk about True. like uh, ch- you know changing the size of the net and all this other stuff. And and the thing that we both landed on, I think, is that all of those debates were so misguided because at the end of the day, it's not about goals, but flow. And and, and when you talk about the the current incarnation of the NHL, you're right. Like a two to one game today looks so much different than a two to one game seven years ago, just because there's so much, there's so many more chances. There's so much more flow. There's so many more defensemen getting involved in the play. And, and the the overall talent level of the league is, is young and fast and fun. And and teams are coached differently. All those things add up to the product, you know, being in, in such a much better place, um, uh, now uh, than it was earlier because of that very thing. I was checking into your into the numbers here. Um, wins okay. trailing uh, entering the second period, and uh, the Anaheim Ducks and the New York Islanders lead with four wins apiece uh, when trailing heading into the second period. I, I, the Ducks I could see because they're kind of a chaotic team. The Islanders are kind of a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> like the, like they've played 10 games in which they were trailing into the second period and have won four of them. That's kind of impressive. That is uh, that is pretty impressive. You know, one of the things, and I, I don't think it will ever get credit from some of the, the usual suspects who have no time for it, but one of the things, there's a couple of things I look at the explosion of offense in the NHL right now, and there's two. Uh, one, I think of something that Elaine Vigneault said, and it, it seemed flippant at the time, but I think he was deadly serious and he was on to something. This is in that era where, you know, to your point, try to juice the offense, make bigger nets. Remember Larry Quinn and Buffalo with the Larry Quinn nets and uh, Allaire, you know, turning the uh, 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 geometrically turning the posts in. So if you hit a post mm-hmm. on the inside of the post, it gets directed into the net. Just tiny little things like that. Elaine Vino just said, if you want more goals, then the shooters have to be better. And he was right. And now you look at you look at how many players have specific shooting coaches. Like there was one guy in Victoria who sort of, and his name escapes me, who is sort of credited with beginning this explosion of elite level players having shooting coaches. Right? The old saying used to be, "You can't teach touch." You either had touch. Oh, Bob Mike Bossy is just born with it. You know, 
Mm. Um, these goal scorers are just born with that kind of touch and you can't teach it. Well, we spent our whole lives believing that because we were told that and we were told you have to believe it because it's true until finally one day someone said, well, what if it's not? And it turns out that it mm. wasn't. And there's one guy in Victoria and he, I think his, his, his client list was like Ryan Kessler and Joe Pavelski and maybe a couple more. But now you look at everyone around the NHL, like pretty much everyone has instructors that they work with in the off season on their game, on their skating, on their feet, on disguising their releases. Like there's a whole industry here of, you know, uh, of, of, uh, of, of coaches, you know, skills coaches teaching NHLers how to shoot better. And I think of what Elaine Vigneault just said, oh, you want to score more goals, be a better shooter. Because the goaltenders in the offseason are going to work on their craft. You guys are just going to the gym right. and lifting. You're just going right. to get your strength back. These guys are working at becoming better goaltenders. And the other thing, the other area too, and again, this, this, will not get, this will not get approval or recognition from some of the usual suspects that poo-poo this nonsense. And that's analytics. Because what is that? What is, one of the things that analytics has shown us and taught us is a difference between a high percentage shot and a low percentage shot, mm -hmm. which is why now shots from the point aren't there to go in. They're there to create rebounds. Peter DeBoer's entire offensive scheme is based around it wherever he's gone. Um, and we, we bemoan the fact, oh, we never see wingers just coming down the side and just ripping it, you know, slap shot, Rick Vive style. Well, the reason we don't see that is because it's a low percentage shot. You don't do it. Right. And something as simple as, you know, Steve Valaket will always talk about, he calls it the Royal Road or the slot line pass, you know, pre-shot movement. Just something as simple as going going across an, an imaginary line that goes from one net to the other. The slot line increases your chances of scoring a goal. And these are mm -hmm. all things that, you know, elite level players and skills coaches have learned from analytics. Although we all know the people that will never give it credit, <laughs> but that's fine. They don't have to, but it's the truth, right? Like those, because you wonder about like, where does all this come from? And I, I point to these two areas specifically, shooting coaches and analytics. Well, you'd think analytics would have had their day in the sun after the Penguins, Lightning and Capital Stanley Cups, but maybe, maybe I'm just wrong on that. Uh, and Colorado. Let's well, how not about forget about Colorado. Shout out. And, oh, and, 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 and Tampa uh, as well. And well, the New Jersey Tampa. Devils have have yeah. the have the most one of the most robust departments in Matt Cain and Tyler Dello. But I digress. We'll just move so, along. Nothing so to see here. Just the uh, analytics teaches us nothing. So it's funny you bring up the shooting coaches because I, I I feel like and you made you kind of inferred this. I feel like that was in response to a good like fifteen years of of the age of the goalie coach, right? Like goal goaltending has improved Correct. for a number yes. of different reasons. Hundred percent from the from the yes. athleticism of the of the athletes to the, uh, the gear that they wear. But it is very much the technique and coaching that has gone into making that a sweet science in the last 15 or 20 years. And it's just funny that it took this long for the shooters to be like, what, you mean I shouldn't just lift weights and shoot the puck inside of a dryer in my front yard? It's true. Like <laughs> it's 100% it's, it's true. But that's, again, like this is like what you were taught when you're when you're young. Again, I go back to that old saying. Like we, got, we had it wish. I'm not sure what it was like where you grew up, but where I grew up and pretty much all across Canada, it was always you can't teach touch. Oh, goal scorers are just born that way. In hell. Like, no, they're not. That's such, you can teach anybody to shoot. You can teach anybody to, 
you know, to, to disguise their shot or disguise their release. I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to be Austin Matthews, but, you know, you can teach players how to shoot more effectively. And it's funny, too, because people would just throw, you remember this, Wish, they would just throw their arms up in the air and say, listen, there's only, you know, there's only two ways you're going to get more goals. One, you're going to have to either shrink the equipment or you're going to have to <laughs> increase the size of the nets. There's, there's no yep. third option. Well, nope. yes, there is. <laughs> Find out what a high percentage shot is. And shoot better. <laughs> right. Because now, when's the last time you had, when's the last, like, honestly, Wish, when is the last time you had a conversation about the goalie equipment's too big? It's oh, not, it, it's, you it. can't, you couldn't find one. <laughs> and it used to be the prevailing conversation in all of hockey. Like, you would talk about it every year. They would talk about Henrik Lundqvist is cheating because he has a flap coming down and with his five hole. And that's why no one could, like, all this stuff. Um, and you're right. And, and so on top of all of this, obviously, is and, and this is really one of the keys to um, the offensive explosion, too, is is the fact that not only do you have players that can shoot, but now they play on all four lines. And and, and the fundamental change in how teams yeah. are built, the fact that you no longer have two scoring lines, three scoring lines, and maybe even four on some of these teams that roll them like the Devils have, for example. And and that change fundamentally is also completely juiced the numbers too. And, and, you know, you and I have covered that ad nauseum with the, the decline of fighting and, and the, the lack of need for physicality and all this other stuff that, that plays into how teams are built. Um, when you have more guys that can shoot the puck, chances are you're going to have more goals. And now you have four lines of them. The th- the, the thing is, too, though, it's expected now. Like, it's not just, oh, this is found money. Our fourth line, you know, they're, they're you know, uh, you know half, half, half a goal a game. Like, it's yeah. expected now. Like, your, your job is a fourth line. Like, if you can't produce on the fourth line, guess what? Find someone else who can. Like, before it was just like, you know what, just go out there, um, you know, play 50-50 hockey, don't take a penalty, and give the other three lines a rest. That's not, that's not happening anymore. There's no like go out there and play 50-50 hockey so our guys can rest. Let's go out there and produce. That's your fourth And it's line also changed in the sense that like your energy line, yeah, you got to give us a jolt when you come out there, but you also have to like pepper the net. <laughs> like you can't, you can't just like skate around hitting people and make the crowd go wee. Yeah, you also have to do things uh, that are that are t- tangibly good for us offensively. Um which has made it even more yeah. exciting. That's why there's like a lot of really fun lines that that play like you know, between eight and 11 minutes a night now, because they not only are able to go out there and give you those energy shifts, but they also get you chances too. All right. Let me, uh, I got like a minute left here with you. So I want, I want to, I want to run down a couple of teams and see to me, to me, the answer of what the, the most fascinating story, the most interesting story is which teams are going to, now that we're a quarter of the way in, enter the Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli sweepstakes. I think we really should include Fantilli in this conversation because he's been really good. Wish, um, still think Bedard goes first overall, but man, Fantilli looks great in Michigan. Okay, um, so teams that are in the sweepstakes already, obviously Anaheim, um, yes. the Chicago Blackhawks, much to their chagrin, this wasn't the plan, um, but the Ottawa Senators, mm-hmm. the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the San Jose Sharks. Now, Arizona was designed to be in the uh, sweepstakes, but they are doing they are doing to the Arizona Coyotes brass what the Buffalo Sabres did to Tim Murray and his hunt for Connor McDavid with the Buffalo Sabres. So here's some other teams that I want to get your thoughts on now that we're a quarter of the way in. 
you do you suspect they will eventually just say we're closer to Connor Bedard than we are the playoffs? Philadelphia Flyers. They should be. They th- this should be a tank year for them. The reason it's not is because Carter Hart's good. The Buffalo Sabers. <laughs> I mean, it breaks your heart because this was be the year they're supposed to like move it on up. But again, they've done the same thing they do every damn year, which is to start off strong and then fade. Ultimately, it does them better to end up with one of the top prospects this year. Like, it's okay to percolate another year. I know that's not what Sabres fans want to hear, but the the top of the draft is so loaded that if you stumble one more year and end up with one of those players, you're going to do better for yourself than trying to scratch and claw your way to the playoff bubble. Washington Capitals. Tank. Tank it. Give give Backstrom the year off. Tell Tommy Wilson, relax, big guy. Go to Cabo for a while. Like, just take a year off <laughs> and tank for one of those picks. I'm double checking that they actually have those picks and that they didn't do stupid like trading it away. Actually, um, because I don't know if you've noticed, Merrick, but like after this season, the Capitals have a incredible amount of they have players one that are that are yeah they have so they, they have do one okay so they do have they their have first one defense they do have their first round season. pick no they do have their first round pick no. just double checking but they right now have 10 players under contract for next season so mm-hmm. yeah buddy tank away get your guy that's going to be your, your 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 next your next big thing when ov leaves and then rebuild yeah. your team in the summer and go back at it with a with one of the great with the greatest goal scorer of all time and a you know a next franchise player on your roster. Here's the thing about it though with Washington. Like one day this team is gonna exist just to get just to get Ovechkin that record. Mm-hmm. And the the chase is gonna be the story of the Washington Capitals, which is why I can't see them throwing in the towel and devaluing this team as Ovechkin is is trying to get this record. But you don't devalue don't you get that team. feeling. You're just going to well. become something. You're just no. becoming something different next you're, year. You're 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 taking you're taking you're taking the step back. And listen, if it happens, it happens. But I mean, as far as a matter of like we're deliberately doing this, like I still think like Washington's got like a bajillion dollars in the press box. I think once they're healthy, like if you if you're really going for like if you're really going to tank hard for Bedard. I don't think Washington is there because they're more interested in the Gretzky chase. Uh, one, one more team here for you. And we do, I, I do think that Arizona is going to end up there eventually. Um, but man, there's been some cool performances by the Coyotes. Uh, last one. And he always gets asked about it. The Vancouver Canucks. Of course they should tank. They're not rallying in that division. Black, they're, 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 they're not going to do it by beating the Avalanche on a Wednesday night wish. <laughs> it's not gonna get you Connor Bedard. Yeah, Bedard wish. Eventually, eventually Demko is gonna be real good, and and they'll probably go on like a six yeah. or seven game heater that'll ruin any chance of them getting Bedard. But ultimately, like mm-hmm. that's probably the smartest thing for them is to is to is to cycle it down and try to get one of those kids. Not wrong. Uh, kept you long. As always, thank you, my friend. You be well. Enjoy your weekend. I should have wished you happy Thanksgiving earlier, but I'm a bad oh, host, my, so I'll you. do it now. Wish yeah, happy Thanksgiving. I, I'm, I, and remember, I can, like on, if, yes. 
if you take one thing away from the, our conversation today, from now until the day that you no longer cover the sport, hmm. what's the delay of game penalty called? It's a dog. That's right, man. But like, like the littlest hobo. The dogs. And then, no, 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 I, no, no. you know, We've there is a delay of game penalty game. in uh, the NFL too. So we have to, we have to spread that to other sports. Other sports can come on, can glom on to our thing, but from now until forever, it's the dog. Um, thank you, sir. We'll talk next Wednesday. We're back to our normal time. You got it, buddy. Take care.